0: We've been teaching on transition, and really, it's about promotion or moving up in life, moving into new things in life. And uh, but you know, some things are not just a promotion. Uh, you know, you can you know, how do you transition from one place to another? But I do believe God is inevitably trying to promote His people. Trying to get the best into their life. And I know there's a lot of opinions, and even though this is number 14, you would think by what I'm going to share, this should have been way back at the beginning. But I didn't even think we were going to go this long. And in praying, uh, we're at this one, number 14, and the context of prosperity. You know, because sometimes when you talk about prosperity, um, people kind of can have all kinds of ideas. Some are like, yeah, that's cool. Others are like, no, that's bad. You know, and there's a lot out there that's said. And if you get um, different ideas implanted, some may be correct and some may not be correct. And so we want to just go to the Bible, see what the Bible has to say and kind of form our opinions. Or maybe if we have some that need to be tweaked, it's okay to be tweaked by God, right? And um, you know, we said this early on that Jesus said, pray that your will be done on earth like it is being done in heaven. Most people know that, you know, and when people hear the word prosperity, don't you think things are prosperous in heaven that God is wanting good there? I don't think there's anybody who would dispute that. But, for some reason, your will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven, then people dispute it if it's good here. You know, and when you hear the word prosperity, somebody inevitably will think, oh, they're talking about they want your money. No. Prosperity is way more than money. I mean, you could have loads of money and your relationships are a disaster, and, or you're full of depression, then are we prospering? God wants you to prosper in your emotions. God wants you to prosper in every area of your life, not just, you know, so when you think of prosperity from a Bible standpoint, don't think of it as only money. Are you with me? When I got saved, my life began to prosper. In what way? I had peace I never had before. That's prospering. In a world that's full of turmoil, that's prosperity. That's worth more than money. Because people pay to get you know, some kind of peace of mind or peace in their heart. And man, I got a free gift of from it. And that was in God. Another idea, and I wasn't going to share this, but in 1 Timothy you'll see a verse and you'll often hear it in the church world, and it's kind of quoted different in different places, but you'll hear people say this, you know, money is the root of all evil. And people who don't even go to church will say that. Anybody ever heard that? Money is the root of all evil. But do you know the Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It actually says the love of money is the root of all evil, or all kinds of evil. Well, if you break that down and look at it, you could have no money and love money. Right? It's not how much you have or don't have, it's the idea of coveting. And covetousness is spoken against in the Bible. As a matter of fact, for time's sake, you can go back and look at 1 Timothy 6 where that's written and several verses down from there, he says this, and those of you who will be rich in this life. So you could tell he wasn't against riches. He said you must also be rich in good works. And so, and he goes on to say different things, but the idea of what I want to share just for a little bit today is, uh, what does the Word of God have to say about provision or prosperity or blessing? What, what does the Bible have to say? Because here's the thing. When I came to know the Lord, um, I, I was connected to a lot of people who lived in the world who had a lot of different opinions. One of the first stories I heard, uh, and that not the first, but one of the first ones was when that rich guy came to Jesus in the Bible, and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to obtain eternal life? And he said, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and follow me. And the man had so much money, it said he became sorrowful, and it said that, he turned away and walked away from the Lord that day. And it it was so wild because the disciples, you know, and he said, how hard is it for those who not have riches, but trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples said, Lord, who can be saved? You know, And the Lord said this, he said, it's hard for those who trust. In other words, that man was trusting in his riches and he wanted him to trust in God. You know, we could find other verses say, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to us. It's real interesting if you read on in that story, the disciples said, Lord, we gave up everything like he had asked that man to do. One of them had given, or a couple of them had given up fishing businesses, I mean, that were prospering. We know that because there was such a catch of fish. And they said, Lord, we gave up all after the rich man walked off. And he said, there's nobody who will not give up everything for the kingdom, but they will receive now a hundredfold in this life, not in heaven, in this life. Then he added a little phrase. He said, with persecution. So you need to know this. If you're going to start getting ahead in life, you may get persecuted for it. Just because the Lord said it. it, it it's just what's there. But it's interesting. The Lord wasn't trying to take something from the rich young ruler. He was trying to get him to truly trust in God and not just natural things. And so when he told him to sell what you had, he was really trying his heart. I wonder if God ever tries our hearts. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Watch who you're hanging around with. Don't hang around with them. He might be trying our hearts to see do we trust really what he's saying. If he, if that rich man really would have trusted, according to what Jesus said, eventually he would have ended up with more. But the Lord doesn't always tell us what you end up with when he asks you to trust him. Peter, hey, I want to use your fishing boat. Man, we've been working all night long. All right, I'll do it. Pushes out uses it for the ministry, then the Lord tells him, go launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And he said, Lord, we tried all night. It didn't work. And he said, all right, I'll do it at your word. But isn't it interesting the Lord asked for something, asked him to do something. And then when he asked him to do something, he didn't say, hey, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll be blessed, do it. How many of us would go, all right, what is it? Sometimes he just asks. Because he wants to find our motive. It's real easy, like if I'm going to get a lottery ticket, and, and if I know I'm getting the winning one, it's real easy to buy a lottery ticket. I always get a winner. But he didn't tell you whether you get a winner or not, but he said, you know, if you be willing... And obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And so we can see that in the underlying thing, obedience is a huge thing and it does pay off, even though he may not always tell you what the reward is right then. He just asks for us to obey him. Turn with me to 3 John, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures real quick here, about provision, prosperity. And like I said, it's not always about money. Money is only a part of prosperity. But we need to get it established in our own lives that God does want us to get ahead in life. God wants you to have good relationships. God wants you to have good things in life in all areas. And what we need to do is get a backdrop Of truth in our lives, so that when we approach life, we can think, hey, I can succeed. Because if we don't think we can succeed, or that God maybe isn't for us succeeding, it's kind of like, will this even work? Can this even happen? Can I move ahead in life? Or, am it, or is it just me fighting alone and God's not for me in this? And in all realities, there are people who think like that that are Christians. Like, if I'm going to get ahead, this is my own battle. And then as they're fighting to move forward, they might think, I don't even know if God is for this. I mean, I tell people, you know, I used to be addicted to drugs and do all this different stuff, and people think, you? Yeah, I was an alcoholic, but I know God can deliver and move people up in all areas of life. And he wants to. But if we don't think it's his will because people talk about their struggle and how God might be sending this struggle upon them, Why would Jesus bear things to free people so God then ultimately can throw some junk on them? Glad you're excited about that. Third John, way back in the back, right before the book of Revelation. There's not the gospel, but right at the end, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And 2nd and 3rd John are just like a chapter. And so 3rd John, we're going to read verse 2. Just to kind of get a backdrop, does God want me and you and every believer to get ahead and prosper in life, and really in all areas? And if I have arguments against this, then I need to go, what does he really say about this? Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray, or literally desire, that you may prosper in all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Boy, he just starts gathering stuff up. I want your emotions to be prospering. I want your health to be in order. I I want, you know, you to prosper in all areas of life. Now, whether we attain to his will or not does not determine is it God's will. We know this God wills that none would perish. Christ died for all the ungodly. But how many of you know you have to agree with the gospel? You have to hear the gospel. You have to accept the gospel. So there are conditions, even though it's God's will. Would you agree? And and so sometimes people just don't know God's will, so they're kind of getting pushed around in life. That's why we're looking at what he said. How many of you believe this? If God taught you how to prosper or told you how to do something to prosper, it would then be evil or wrong to prosper. Most people wouldn't think like that. Most people would think that if God taught me how to prosper, turn to Joshua 1:8. If God would teach us how to prosper, then surely he would want us to prosper. You know, if you read the book of book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, he tells how to keep a young man from falling into sexual immorality and doing a uh, wrong thing. Different wrong things, and he said, Don't go by the way of this person's house, you know, don't go down that street, you know, don't go there. How many of you believe that if God was telling us how to keep us from sin, he doesn't want us to sin? And if he gave us instructions about it, don't you think him giving instructions is telling you? what he doesn't want you to do or wants you to do. And if he said those things there about how to keep yourself pure, but then maybe somewhere else he said, hey, here are instructions on how to prosper, then you think the end result would be he would want you to prosper. Wouldn't it be wrong if I said, hey, here's how you do this, go do this, and you do it, and you get arrested, don't you think I would be doing something to cause harm to you? You know, if whatever I said was criminal, well, here's a good way to rob a bank. Nobody in their right mind would, notice I said in your right mind, teach you how to rob a bank, and think it was good. And God's not telling you to rob a bank, so to speak, in prosperity, because you're going to get in trouble with him later on. Notice Joshua 1 8. Remember, I said this book has to be the book that tells us what God wants. Notice verse 8: This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditation, literally, from a Bible standpoint, means to ponder deeply it's kind of like worry on a positive way. It means to mutter or to speak back. That's why he said don't let it depart from your mouth. What? What he said in the word, in the book. He said don't do that. He said but you shall meditate in it day and night, meaning deeply ponder, mutter it, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. Boy, if we would get the word planted in us and we would mutter it day and night, then the result of something come out of it. He said, you would make your way prosperous. Notice who would do it. God? No. Who's going to do it? Me. Now understand if we don't know that the Bible is called a book of seeds. Jesus said when the word of God is preached, it's like a seed that goes into somebody's heart. The Bible said you get born again by the seed of the word of God. When somebody preaches, a seed goes into you. And each seed will produce whatever it is. So that must mean there must be successful seeds in here to help us, to keep us, to provide for us, to direct us into God's vest. The Lord is my shepherd. That means he guides us. I shall not want. But I've got to follow. Are you with me? And we're just looking at the idea, is it God's will to, to have us blessed and to prosper And to be successful because part of the battle is knowing God wants it for you. Because it can be a big thing, you know, like, well, I need healing. Well, I don't know if God wants me well. Or, Or I need success. Well, I don't know if God wants me, you know. You know, the love of money or money is the root of all kinds of evil, you know. And we hear that wrong and we think different things, you know and we hear different things, and we can get a wrong opinion, but what does God say? If God said, if you would put this word in you, it would produce prosperity. Your way would be prosperous. Somebody said, yeah, but he wrote that to Joshua. Well, turn to Psalm 1, and we're just laying this down just for a minute, but Psalm 1 this was not written to Joshua. This was written to whoever. To, and this was written to people, just like us. Psalm 1:1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, who hears words that are not in line with God. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. As one man said, you may need to change your seat. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is starting to sound like what he said to Joshua. And in his law, or in his word, he meditates or mutters or worries it in a positive sense. Thinks deeply on it. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does shall fail. No, he said whatever he does will prosper. Why would he tell you that if we would put a priority on the truth, that prosperity would be an end result in our life? If he didn't want us to be that way. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says Jesus, when he came here, It said, he became poor so that you might be made rich through his poverty. Now that is another pretty bold statement. Now remember, we're not talking just financial stuff. We're talking about prospering. God wants you to have peace like a river. And he wants you to live in this. So with that being said, Concerning God's will, having that backdrop, knowing God wants us to succeed and get ahead in life and prosper in all areas where we can go to bed. You know, insomnia is not God's will. That is not prosperity. You know, there are scriptures that cover sleep and getting sweet sleep. And laying your head down and resting, and you know, talking about how people who worry and eat the bread of sorrow and how it keeps them awake and how it's not prosperous for them. God wants us to prosper, so He wants your sleep to be good. Amen. Now, I didn't want you to sleep all day long. I mean, unless you're working at night, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. God wants to prosper all areas of your life, and if we haven't thought this way, we might think. Well, the way God prospers us is you get this ticket to heaven and then you get beat to snot while you're on the earth. But man, for eternity, when you get over there, it's great. But that is not how he lived on the earth or his disciples. Now, persecution will happen. The Bible said those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. But that is different than prospering in life. In other words, isn't it prosperous to have your prayers answered? I mean, if you pray and your prayers are answered, isn't that prosperous? Didn't he say in John fifteen seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, kind of starting to sound like Joshua in Psalm 1. He said, then you can ask, once the truth is in you, you can ask what you will, and it will be done for you. And my Father is glorified in this. That's prosperous. Wouldn't it be prosperous to you, even if that wasn't happening? You kind of found a person that when they pray, something happens. I get an answer. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think... I'm going to go search them out when I need something. If I'm not getting it for me, I'm going to go find them. And then they pray and I get this answer. And then I'd go back. Wouldn't that be successful to you? Think how much more successful it'd be to the person who knows and is doing it. But it still would have success to us and it's something from God. And so success... Is what God wants prosperity he said whatever you set your hand to will be blessed he wants that for us with that thought in mind I'm because we've taught about principles different ideas I'm gonna share just for a little bit about making the right decision and the factor of following God because that's a huge thing Some of the principles in the Bible that we see about prosperity, some of them are just real mechanical. You know, there is one who plants, but he harvests more. There is one who gives, and he receives more. The law of the kingdom, give and it will be given unto you. That's mechanical. It's real mechanical to be a farmer too. But there are some factors. In other words, I'm not going to plant in the middle of the winter when the ground's frozen, but I'm going to wait till the thaw, and then we're all going to mechanically, you know, somewhere around April or whatever, put stuff in the ground. I could be wrong on that. And we're going to plant, and then we're going to water if there's no rain, and then eventually we're going to harvest somewhere around October, you know, or September or something like that. It's real mechanical. But what if one year the Lord dealt with you, you know, and everybody's out planting, there should be a God factor. And he said, don't plant. Not yet. That seems weird. And all of a sudden there was a late season frost and everybody that planted then got froze out. And they had to replant and do all that, but you waited a month and all of a sudden you, you know, every year you kept doing it the one way, but then God dealt with you or whoever it was and they planted a month later and all of a sudden they didn't have to invest all that time. What am I saying? In provision, in prosperity, in promotion, In these different things, there should be the God factor of a personal relationship with God. Where He can deal with us as believers. Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We're going to look at, even though this is not prosperity like in a promotion, how many of you know if you're not here, you can't get promoted? If you die, you can't get promoted. Well, you get promoted to heaven. But you can't do God's will down here on the earth and serve in the kingdom and, and, and do your purpose in life. But Psalm 91 verse 9 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This, if you don't know, is the great psalm of divine protection. Protection from enemies, protection from calamity, Protection from storms, from germs, disease, plagues, all of it is in here. How to be protected when you're driving. But he makes this one statement here, and you'll see it again and again, how to apply this in your life. You know, if we don't know how to apply this, we can have catastrophe and don't know why. But once you start recognizing these principles, you'll see why some things happen for some and don't for others. Are you ready? Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, who will? I will. I will say of the Lord. What are we saying of the Lord? I've heard people say this, well the flu's coming, I'll be the first one to get it. Oh, it's allergy season, you know. um, I just have to be careful because I'll be the first one to get it. Now, we've maybe not been told that that is maybe not the best way to say something of the Lord. And I'm not saying just because you change what you're saying, immediately you will see a change. But I used to be allergic to cats. They're my favorite. And I am not allergic to them. And don't hate me for it either. (laughs) But I learned this years ago, and I've walked through poison ivy multiple times. I'm not telling you to do it, or poison oak. But I'd go hiking with friends and break the branches right in front of them. And I've never gotten poison oak. One time it tried a little bit and it left. Somebody said, You're a nut. (laughs) Like one person said, I'm screwed onto the right bolt. Um, and I'm not telling you to do that. But I am saying there is a principle here that said, I will say of the Lord. You know, there are simple things we could say that we need to be careful how we say them. You know, whenever you want to advance with God, you know the devil's going to come. Well, even though we know that, that may not be all we should be saying. We should be saying things like, but thank God I'm more than a conqueror. Thank God He always causes me to triumph. He causes me, these are all Bible verses. He causes me to be the head and not the tail. He makes my feet like hinds' feet where I move up into the high place and I don't fall down. It's okay to say and acknowledge some things, but if you'll read Jesus' life, Again, with this idea, you'll see he constantly, and the disciples, said where they were from, where they were going, what they were going to do, and how they would be delivered, and the results that would come. They constantly said it. And you'll find that's true in the Old Testament too. Everybody who walked in victory talked like this. David, Goliath, he said, "Today, today this will happen. Children of Israel said, We can't go into the promised land. They didn't go in. You know what God did to the next group? Don't say a word until I tell you what to say. Notice this I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. Him I will trust. Don't talk about your doubts. Say, I will trust Him. Don't magnify your doubts or doubts that are coming, say, I'll trust the Lord. And he said, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence, these traps of the enemy and these diseases that come. He shall cover you with his feathers. What does that mean? Is God wearing a bird suit or something? No, what he's saying is, is it's the same terminology Jesus said when he told Jerusalem. He said, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathered you in divine protection underneath her wings, but you would not. And he said, we should say, God protects me. And he goes on to talk about, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. And we need to say, I will not fear the terror by night. But you know how many people talk about the terror? But these are all things that we are to affirm constantly. We are to affirm them. Why? Because these are things God said to us. Now in Mark 4, and we won't look at these verses for time's sake, verse 37, we know that divine protection is something throughout the Bible. And we know even though Paul was persecuted, he was delivered again and again and again and again. And as a matter of fact, Jesus even said, nobody takes my life, I lay it down. But here in Mark 4, we see Jesus gets done teaching. They get in this boat and a storm rises up and the group starts panicking, we're going to perish. How many of you know God didn't want you to perish in a storm? So you have to think right about this or you might just go, okay. Okay. But Jesus is asleep in the boat and the disciples woke him and said, don't you care that we're perishing? Well, if they perished, he's perishing. And so he said, just a side thought. Keep reading what you're supposed to say in Psalm 91. And it says, with long life I will satisfy you. And show you my salvation? If you'll read the book of Proverbs, you don't have an appointed time to die. He said, if you live right, he said, you can lengthen your days. If you live foolishly, you can shorten your days. We don't have an appointed time where God's just taking people off the earth. This is, it's the truth. Paul said this in Philippians 1, he said, I'm hard pressed between the two, and what I will choose, I'm not sure. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but he said, to live on in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, what I will choose, I'm not sure. And then as he reads on, read Philippians 1, if you're taking notes, it'd be good to start looking at these things. Hebrews 11 said that there was deliverance offered to certain people but they refused the deliverance and then they were martyred for their faith that they might receive a greater blessing in the resurrection. But it was offered. Just some thoughts. Because sometimes people say, well, if it's your time, there's nothing you can do about it. No, there is. And so Paul said, what I will choose, I'm not sure. And then he meanders through this idea, and then he said, because it's better for you, even though it's greater for me to go, he said, I'll abide so that fruit can come into your life. And he talked about it more from him than God. Now I know that sounds strange because God is so powerful, but he has put a lot of things into our hands. He gave the dressing, keeping, dominion of the earth into man's hand, Adam and Eve. And they jacked that up. And we probably would have been doing just about the same thing they did. But you understand, he, he trusts people. Because he has to if he's going to have a real rich relationship with you. Because you can say... Shine on. And he'll go, okay. So he say, I don't believe that. Well, go back and read the Bible. Because the fact of the matter is, you can shine him on. A nation can just say, beat it. And the Lord will go, okay. Remember the madman of Gadara? 2,000 had a legion of demons in him. Jesus goes, that's where the storm that about killed him when he rebuked That where we're moving with this, this is a sidetracked. But they kicked him out of the land. When he cast the devil out, they, they came to him and all his disciples and they said they were afraid of him. They said, get out of here. And you know what the Lord said? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You can't tell me what to do. You know what he did? He said, all right. He got in the boat. And then the demon possessed man said, I want to go with you. And he said, no, you stay here and you share what the good things the Lord has done for you. Why didn't the Lord just say, don't you know who I am? I'm Jesus. I'm going to come back one day and I'm going to rule this earth with a wrought iron. You guys better watch what you're doing. He didn't do that. He just calm, cool, and said, all right, I'm out of here. Back here to Mark. Divine protection, we are to say it, to walk in it. But we're talking about the factor of at times God will interrupt or direct us and we need to realize just like Jesus, when they woke him, he rebuked the storm. He said. But how many of you know that one of the main ways is mechanical? We say, we declare, and prosperity or things happen. But we really need to be interrupted. Like I started to say, If we can say no to the Lord, then that must mean that we can have a real, 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 real rich relationship with him. Like hardcore. Because it's like he's endeavoring. You know, I said this, how can somebody have a relationship? I said this a few, few weeks back with somebody who's like a stalker. You know, you ever seen that? You know, I want to marry her or whatever, so I'm going to kidnap her. And then we're going to have a great time together. Well, if she's not open to you, then when you try to give to her, she's going to be closed. And then all that you want from her, she's not going to give you. So the idea about a rich relationship with God, when they said to him, get out, okay. Why? Because everything he would try to give to them, they wouldn't take. And everything he wanted from them, they wouldn't give. They didn't want a relationship. It shows that the depth of a relationship with God can be quite profound, but it takes human cooperation, even though he's God. Which is crazy to think. But... I mean, but it shows a richness that can be there by a willing heart. He is totally willing. He's just looking for a human who will be open. So the first one is protection is a fact. Jesus rebuked it. But here's the factor. In Psalm 2710 Paul was on this journey. Why didn't? and he was about to set sail, and uh, the Lord dealt with him, "Don't go." How many of you realize we can claim protection, but we need to be open for direction. The mechanics of the word are premium, But then we need to do what? Be open to God dealing with us. He could have claimed protection just like Jesus did. Don't worry about it, guys. But he said, I perceive. It's real interesting to me the factor of having a rich relationship with God where we kind of do what we do, but we're open to him dealing with us. You know, they have what's called lane assist now in cars. I don't know that I like it. Because you know, you're driving along and your car goes to the white line and the steering wheel goes, ah, and it's not because of the road, it's because your car senses the line and it's trying to push you back. How many of you know if you're just doing it and doing it fine, going the right way, you won't get bothered by that ah, lane assist? Like we're trying to get you to go like this, but you can override it. But there's kind of a lane assist with God in our relationship with Him where he'll, he'll, you know, we're going and we think we're going to turn here and we get this, uh, no, don't. That's what happened with Paul. He said, I perceive this journey will be with much trouble. Why didn't you just claim protection? Because maybe the protection was coming through the leading. That is all prosperity. Matthew 2:13 is to me is kind of one of those woe scriptures. Jesus is born, the king wants to kill Jesus because he's been told there's a king, a new king born. We need to get, I'm going to kill all the kids. And so the king's going to try to kill Jesus and an angel appears to Joseph and said, "Hey, Here's what you need to do, flee to Egypt, because the king is going to seek to kill the king of kings. Now, how many of you know this, that if uh, you're, you're telling God's kid, God in the flesh, run from somebody? that sounds nuts. Why don't you just claim protection? He did it at other times when he was on the earth because we need to be led too. Because being led is a way of protection. Or you could say it like this, it is a way to prosper. These things are true. God can, you know, you can be investing in stuff, but you need to be open to when to buy and not to buy. Maybe a normal thing, I'm going to go buy this and go do this. And then all of a sudden, it, we're just got ourselves in a place and we recognize, no, nah, I shouldn't do this. Other times your head goes, no, nah, I shouldn't do this. But inside, you know, I should do that. We need to be open to be being led by God. Jude 20, but don't turn there. Turn to Proverbs 16. We're going to close here but don't don't turn there. Jude 20 says, Beloved, build yourself up praying in the Holy Spirit. We need to be people who pray and have a relationship with God just to be for no other reason, but there are other reasons, but for one main reason, so we can be sensitive to him so that when he deals with us, we can follow. Not pray is in mechanics, but just talking to God. What happens when you hang out with God and start talking to God and you responsive to God when He deals with you about things? You're going to get sensitive to Him. And He's going to be able to deal with you beyond your mind, just like He did Paul. And, and you're going to perceive. It's not going to be a voice. Occasionally it may be, but the majority of the time, it's going to be a witness of the Spirit, as the Bible said. You're just going to have an inward knowing. The Bible said everybody who's born of God has the witness of the Spirit in himself. You just have a knowing. And when we haven't we gone somewhere and went... That's how I found the church I was at when I was in California. I walked in, nobody was friendly to me, but on the inside it felt like I was home. It felt so right, in not physically, spiritually. But it naturally it didn't look right because nobody was friendly but how many of you know, I'm following God? And I went, this is it. I know that I know. You know how many people have dated some guy and went, uh. I remember this girl, she gave her life to the Lord, and this guy asked her out. She went out, she said, man, he's so good looking. She said, but I was sitting across the table, and something inside of me was scratching, it felt so horrible. I said, you need to follow that said, I never had that before. I said, you didn't know the Lord before. She said, but, but he's really good looking and he's got money and all this. And she said, I want to. I said, I understand. But she said, there's something down below in my gut like, and it's gnawing at me. And I'm looking at him here and down here, something's going, ooh. Not here, Ooh. Hear, ooh. Because people can get these messed up. Proverbs 16. Pray, have a relationship. Man, we can all have a rich relationship with God, which is so awesome. And I'm sure a bunch of us do, but it can even be better. Proverbs 16, verse 9, and we'll close with this. Gone longer, but wanted to get all this in. A man's heart, Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way. When the Bible talks about the heart, often it means like how we reason things deeply in ourselves. How we reason things, you know, and think, okay, I'm going to do this, and this how I'm going to do it. And I just think real deeply about it. He said, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. In other words, though we make plans, and we should, we should be open to the Lord's dealing whether I take a step or not, so that, hey, I'm, I'm following him, so I'm just going to take these steps, but all of a sudden he may deal with me, don't. I'm going to close with this. I remember one time I was at church, everybody's driving out of the parking lot, I got ready to leave, and I had this, uh, like, don't leave. And I thought, is the building unlocked or something? And I'm like, that's not it. I just need to sit here. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing for like three, four minutes. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared. And I thought, that is the weirdest thing And I remember getting in the car, going down the street, and then I jumped on the freeway, because you can go freeway or not. And I jumped on the freeway, and as soon as I jumped on the freeway, I watched this car pull to the shoulder. And had a flat, like a couple flat tires. And as I drove along, there was a car here with flat tires, a car here with flat tires, and a car here with flat tires. There was a number of cars with flat tires. They had just all picked up nails or something in the road and got a bunch of flat tires. I just drove right on through and went right on home. I said, See ya. <laughs> Wouldn't wanna be ya. Too bad you weren't led. No, I didn't say that. Didn't think that. But I thought, Thank God. It's so simple. Somebody said, yeah, but if you got flat tires, you could have witnessed all of them. If I wanted to witness to them, I could have pulled over. They weren't going anywhere anyway. I said, do you know Jesus? They might not have been in the best attitude, but I was. Now, I'm not saying I've been perfect in this, but I know God wants us to prosper in all things, and he will lead us. We can be mechanical, but we need to be open to his leading.